Show number 152 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK talking Trek in person, live. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, and welcome to the Look at His Butt uh, construction site. <laughs> in case you hear a little <laughs> in the background. We're actually live in my living room yes. in the same place at the same time. Yes, we are. Which is very exciting. So we had uh, Thanksgiving yesterday, lots of food. It was delicious. We had big waffles this morning. Uh-huh. So we're fighting off the food coma right now. Um, I actually wanted to start off this little segment by giving you something. Okay. Which I had hoped would be better hidden, but it wasn't due to various well, things I beyond my control. I didn't notice it, so. So this <gasps> is for you. Now you have to open it, and then I can tell you in case you can't guess what it is. Okay. <laughs> it's Star Trek themed. Well, yes, and it's in a, it's, it's in a ziplock. Oh my goodness! It's Star Trek napkins. They are. They're sort of formal dinner napkins. <laughs> for, for for when I have the Klingon ambassador. Yeah. Oh, did you make these? No, I didn't. I bought them on Etsy. They're wonderful. Aren't they beautiful? I saw them and Thank I was like, you, those but are I'll so never be cool. able to use them because if I get junk out of them, I have to wash them, and then they might not be perfect. Anymore. So it's a set of two. They're in beautiful command gold, and they have the Star Trek insignia embroidered onto the front, which is just so fun. Yeah, I saw them, and I thought, this is a great thing, you know? This is great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Gee, I would have used, well, no, I don't want to use them, but I would have thought about using them with our lovely dinner yesterday. Or you, but won't it look good? You can set the table with them. <laughs> I could quit using paper towels. Yeah. Star Trek themed napkins. That is so great. So did they have the tablecloth and the table runner? They, no, the, no, they only had the napkins and, and I think I they had them shape these into Star Trek swans. <laughs> I think they had them in blue also. But of course, you know, command gold is command where gold, you, command gold. where you want to go with these. Yes. Oh wow. <laughs> we could wear them as headscarves. That's true. We could or as bibs. <laughs> may have to do that. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll get, it's like when you go to the dentist and they have the little chain that goes around your neck with the clips that hold mm-hmm. it. That's what we'll do with those and we'll just wear them as bibs. These are wonderful. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Wowie, darling. Thank you oh, so much. You're very welcome. Very, very nice. So, I've had those for a little bit, and I was yes. very anxious and to these, give them to. This too. is actually, yeah, embroidered on. It isn't an, an iron-on no, no. patch or anything. This Someone is, actually took the time to do that. Yeah. Wow. I'm impressed. They're really good. Far beyond my skill. So, mm-hmm. yay! Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so... Let's talk about, so that was the good thing. Now we're going to have to talk about a couple of bad things, oh, okay. unfortunately. So I may have to hide my face under one of my snaps. You're going to have to say the thing again about the movie, even though I don't want to hear it again. <laughs> okay, the next Star Trek movie, which is not coming out till sometime in 2013, um, secretly known as Corporate Headquarters <laughs> 2, yes. is going to be in 3 <sighs> Why? Why does it have to be in 3D? Because they don't have good enough actors or stories to sell it. Oh. Um, but the article I read, the very first sentence was what I just said, that mm-hmm. it would be in 3D. And the second sentence was, so those lens flares will be right in your face. <laughs> oh, man. They'll be in your brain. 
oh, why, why, why did they have to do this? I mean, it's, oh, it's very depressing. You gotta get a gimmick. And they're supposed to be, you know, planning for this, but apparently there's still no script or story or anything. I think it's a bad idea to, to have like this, you know, oh, we're going to do a franchise now. So we made the first movie and we're going to make more movies. We have no idea what any of those stories are going to be. So let's just cast about for a story yeah. to make it rather than saying, we've got this great story that we could make a movie well, out of. Well, and, you know, they don't ever have to really worry because they could always go, uh, you know, just rip things from the, the multiple Star Treks that have already been done before and better. It's so stupid. Oh, I'm very annoyed about that. So as of this recording, uh, they still don't have a script. They still don't have a cast, really, except we heard it was on the, the net recently that they had signed um, Benicio Del Toro to play the villain. Well, and I don't even know if that's true because the last oh. thing I saw was that they wanted him. Oh, okay. So maybe that's so, not even a true thing then. Yeah. Oh, I think it's going to be bad. Well, Unless... But it's even numbered. <laughs> But maybe because it's a new franchise, it'll flip. Hey, let's talk about the even number, odd number thing that I sent you. Oh, you have to remind me because I don't remember now. What That's was okay. It? Are we done talking about corporate We're, headquarters? I don't want to talk about that anymore. Okay. So um, a, a piece of software that I use extensively in my work is called FrameMaker. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I, I go on various forums to keep up with, you know, what people are saying and what problems they're having. And sometimes, you know, to ask or answer a question... And they just came out with a new version, mm-hmm. and um, which is version 10. And people were talking about it and saying, well, everybody knows <laughs> that in FrameMaker, the even-numbered versions are the good ones. <laughs> so I go, that, in Star Trek, I didn't know that was true in software. Maybe it's a, a a universal constant. Maybe it is. That the even-numbered ones are the good ones. So, like, I'm the second child. There you go. <laughs> totally makes sense. It's a good theory. We should try to find some data to back it up. Yeah. See if it's actually true. Yeah. Our second anything is better than first and then fourth and then sixth. So how far could you extend it, though? Because, so there was, TOS was the first series, TNG was the second series, and then there was Deep Space Nine, which was the third series. Yeah, but TOS was the best, and it was first. It was first, see? Yeah. So that's... So, you know, it applies in the movies. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Does it apply to other movie franchises? Oh, what about... I, I, would, I couldn't tell you the James Bond franchises. I couldn't either. I don't know any of the franchise well enough to say. Harry Potter. I, I don't know mm-hmm. one movie from another. <laughs> <laughs> what about Doctor Who's? Oh, well, they're up to 11 now. Um, well, the tenth one was tenth really was good, good but but I like eleven too. I think eleven's uh-huh. really good, and Tom Baker was uh, seven. I think is that correct? Four. Okay, so he was four, so he was good. Uh-huh. And I don't know the rest of them well no, enough to be no. able to say. Well, maybe other people will have to weigh yeah, in on this. Yeah, listeners, tell us. Mm. I don't know, but I, I like it as a theory. We, yeah. You know, we could find different evidence to support it or refute it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, that just came to me that yeah. we needed to make people aware. Of Speaking of movies, I hadn't put this on our list, but I did want to talk about it before I forget it. When I was flying back recently from the East Coast, uh, the on United, the worst airline in the world, 
they had a very limited in-flight entertainment. And the only decent movie that they were showing was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. So I had to watch it twice because there was nothing else on. Um, but then after that was over, there was some decent stuff on, for some reason, BBC America. Mm-hmm. So I watched uh, some stuff, and then they were showing Star Trek Next Generation on BBC America. Okay. <laughs> okay. I wasn't going to question that, so I watched it. And it was an episode from the third season called Ensigns of Command, which I kind of remember, and I, I remembered the story behind it was that it was written by a woman named Melissa Snodgrass, who went on to do other Trek things, and is also a science fiction writer, and she had been kind of upset because they changed her original script quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So I watched it, and I thought it was a pretty lame episode, honestly. It was a data episode, and okay. those are never that good. But... What struck me about it was that it was the kind of episode where if it had been a TOS episode, Kirk would have had everything wrapped up in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> well, tell me about this episode. I'm not remembering okay. it, at least by the name. So Enterprise is somewhere in the world, in the universe, in the galaxy, and they uh, get a distress signal that's been going for quite a while, and um, at, they are also being told... Well, no, it wasn't a distress signal. That's right. The Federation had done a deal with these aliens, um, and part of the deal involved a planet being ceded to the aliens, who were sort of uh, crustacean-like and given the very artful name of Sheliac. Okay. So that was a bad name. And so... That sounds like something you'd use to wax your car with. So um, the Enterprise has to go to this planet to um, see if there's any people there, because the Sheliac say that there's a human colony there. And they had assumed there was only a few people because some uh, ship had crash-landed there several generations ago. So they go there, and it turns out that they've actually been prospering, and there's like 15,000 people on the planet, which they have to evacuate. And the Shellac are only giving them three days, and there's some kind of radiation that's not letting them beam up and down, so they'd have to send shuttles and blah, blah, blah. So that's the time thing is that Mm -hmm. there's only three days. And so Data, because he's a robot, is the only person who can go to the surface of the planet and not get sick from this weird radiation. So he has to go and convince them all that they need to be evacuated. So nobody else can go in like an anti-radiation suit? Apparently not. I don't know. So that's the way they set it up. So we have two plots, Data trying to convince the people to leave, and then Picard trying to negotiate with the Sheliac to get more time. So... So the the basis of this deal that the Federation does with the Sheliac is some treaty that's like 8 billion pages long or something like that. And the Sheliac are very, um, you know, everything's very logical and by the book and the, the it's a very dense sort of contract. And the only way to negotiate is to find things in the, the treaty, in the contract that you can negotiate with them about. And Picard, right away, just goes to them and is like, oh, well, you have to give us more time because of these settlers. And the Sheliac are like, no, it's our planet you know, they're, they're vermin to us. Get them out of here or we'll take care of it ourselves. And Picard's trying to appeal to their sense of fairness and humanity. And they're going, no, we have a contract that says you have three days. Mm-hmm. Do it. And it's not until 15 minutes before the show is over that Picard finally goes, let's read through the treaty one more time to find the clause that will let us have the out. And I was like, Kirk would have been all over that, right? In the first two minutes, he would have had, get the ship's lawyer up here. Which would be Spock. Which would be Spock to read the treaty over in its entirety to find the thing, the loophole that we can use to it. But 
Why did it take them 45 minutes to come to that conclusion? Because it's an hour show. So that was stupid number one. <laughs> okay. Again, Kirk would have just taken care of it. Stupid number two was Data, you know, is trying to convince them to leave and they don't want to leave because it's their planet and they've invested all this time and, you know, oh, our forefathers died to make this our land and blah, blah, blah. And he just can't convince them to leave until finally he gets the bright idea of showing them um, how destructive a phaser can be. And he blows up a couple of things with a phaser and going, you know, if the Shellyak come and, and exterminate you, this is what they'll do to you. They'll just blow you up and they won't even bother to come down to the planet. They'll just do it from their ship and, and exterminate all of you. You know, they're not going to come down here and fight you with fists and clubs. And that's what convinces them to leave. It's like, so these people haven't figured this out themselves? But why didn't he tell them? <laughs> he spends 45 minutes trying to tell them that it's a good idea to leave without actually showing them what kind of force they're facing. Well, and how stupid are these people? They're stupid because the plot requires them to be stupid. But again, you know, that's the kind of thing that Kirk and company would have solved in those first 10 minutes. It's like, here, look at this screen. Look at the Shellyak destroying other civilizations. Mm -hmm. Look at what a phaser will do. They will raise this to the ground and none of you will live. And then it would have been, oh, okay, we'll leave now. Yeah. So it was just... It was very frustrating because it took an hour to tell a story that could have been told in five minutes. Ooh. So uh, sometimes TNG is so annoying in that way, you know? <laughs> and and that this kind of exemplifies to me the difference between TNG and TOS, right? Like TOS was supposed to be more action-adventure, whereas TNG was much more let's talk about this mm-hmm. and figure it out. And the situation as set up in this episode was not a let's talk about it. It was let's do something. Well, in, in general, especially on TV, I think um, a let's talk about it adventure is not as much fun as an action yeah. adventure. Uh, unless the talking is really clever yeah. or unless it's set up as a situation where you can only talk, like a courtroom, for example, right, right. where you can't, it's, there's no action happening there. Mm-hmm. It's all about... You know, the drama and the points that people are making. And the whole thing with the treaty, you know, of course, the solution to the treaty is that Picard finds this loophole that says that they can use a, um, a third party as an arbitrator. So he selects a third party that's some species that's in hibernation for six months. Oh. Okay, so again, a clever sort of solution, mm-hmm. but one that Kirk would have dealt with in five minutes mm-hmm. and not taken all of this back and forth thing and having everybody come into the conference room to meet and think about it and then go into his office and look out the window and like <laughs> so anyway that's all I wanted to say okay. that's all I could think about okay, was what would, what would Kirk do in this situation mm-hmm. no. <sighs> oh alright um, let's talk about the comic <laughs> so that we can just get it over with okay so this is part two of the ironically titled Where No Man Has Come <laughs> And in an earlier show, we talked about... Part one. Part one, where yes. they pretty much took the TOS story and drew new people in it. Mm-hmm. And um, inc- eliminated Dr. Daner. Right. And made it so Gary is possessed by something evil. Right. And we talked about how this really then makes Kirk's decision a no-brainer mm-hmm. if Gary's not even in there. Yes. So now we've seen part two. (laughs) (laughs) Which, if possible, was worse than part one, I thought. Well, it really, really was um, crazy with sound effects. 
and ones I've never seen before. Um, crazy with sound effects and some fairly bad art, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. The art was bad. And then the whole turning point, the hard decision that Kirk has to make is completely taken away from him. I know. So that what was the point? Yeah. And the flashbacks were pretty lame. They were very lame. So just to tell you guys, here, let's spoil it for everyone. <laughs> okay. They go down to Alpha, to um, Delta Vega. They put Mitchell down there in a little room. Um, he does the thing where he kills Kelso. Mm. Uh, Kirk and Spock decide that they he needs to be killed. Kirk comes down and chases him around with the gun for a little bit um, and basically gets into a situation where Mitchell is just about to kill him. And what happens? Spock sneaks up from behind Mitchell and gives him the Vulcan nerve pinch. Surprise! Yep. And then they talk a little bit more uh, and then he kills him. Yeah, but also Gary says... Kill me. Yeah. Kill me. Yeah. Because he... he does that thing where when he's unconscious for a second, he comes back and yeah. says, yeah, you should do this. Yeah. It was so stupid. It was so lame. The whole point in the episode was that Kirk didn't have any help. Yes. He had to do this himself. That it was a solo decision. It was a solo decision because he's the goddamn captain. Yep. And Gary was his friend. And his responsibility and he as had, a crew member. And he had to be clever about him and mm -hmm. clever about the whole situation and shoot the rocks that were above him because he couldn't shoot him directly mm -hmm. with the thing because he was too powerful. So bad. Yeah. Just like... But that just mm -hmm. shows that, that the, the, the thinking on, I don't know, heroism and storytelling and everything has so changed... I mean, this this whole idea of, of you know, Kirk as a doofus mm -hmm. who just sort of falls into this. Yeah. And this is just more of it, you know. So bad. And also reinforcing the idea that Kirk can't do anything without Spock. Yes. Yes. And that was that was one of my comments. Was, yeah. Um, that his only friend is Spock. Spock. And Spock's the only one who can help him do it. And Kirk by himself is fairly in ineffectual. Yes. Only when paired with Spock is he an actual hero mm -hmm. and can get things done, which is so not what Kirk is about. Yes. So that was just, I mean, I read it and I was like, what? This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so that's stupid number three. Stupid number three. I, I just, oh, whose decision was that to change the story in that way? It just invalidates everything about it. So they could say we're rebooting it. <sighs> Rebooting it right up the ass. <laughs> so that was very, very, very disappointing. And there was an actual look at his butt panel. Yes. But it was bad and yes. badly drawn. So maybe I'll put that up as the image for this show. Okay, okay. So everyone yeah, can evaluate yeah. it. But yeah, it's just it's just pretty bad. Ugh. Yeah, that was... Uh... Well, I don't know. If I'd been expecting anything, I would have, I would say it was disappointing. But... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's do two very, very short things, and then we'll take our break. Okay. Um, so the first thing was just one of those coincidences, coincidences that seems to happen all the time where the monkeys in Star Trek collide. <laughs> it happens too often to be an actual coincidence, okay. in my opinion. Okay. So what is it? Okay. So um, sometimes I go to the torrents to download things illegally. <gasps> I've just said that. Um, so I was looking for a particular track by Mike Nesmith, the leader of the Their monkeys. Leader, yes. 
So I went to Demonoid and I'm looking and I'm searching and I'm searching and I found a torrent that has basically uh, all of Mike Nesmith's albums sort of bundled together so you can mm -hmm. download them. And I already have them so I wasn't going to. But the thing that made me laugh out loud was the handle of the person. So most people who do torrents don't put their real names in there, obviously. Well, yeah. So this person's handle, okay, now remember, the only, and I checked, the only two things that this guy, person, has uploaded are two different Mike Nesmith torrents. Okay. And his handle is Shatner1701. <laughs> Maybe it's really Bill. <laughs> but, like, what are the odds? I mean, isn't that weird? That the person who's uploading Mike Nesmith stuff chooses Shatner 1701. Okay. I just think that's very funny. That is pretty weird. So, so put that on the list of weird monkey Star Trek coincidences. Well, you know what? Now you should look. Is there like an all Star Trek torrent person who's using Littlest Monkey <laughs> for his handle? <laughs> I will have to look for that. And then the license plate of the monkey mobile. Right. Oh, man, that's funny. Okay, so I just, I don't know why, but that made me laugh and laugh and laugh. Okay, and now I'm going to read something else that's really good. Okay. So um, I love cracked.com. They have a lot of good articles there, and, and all of their stuff is all the, um, you know, five of this and 20 of that, and, you know, it's all counting. So I was looking at some other article the other day, and up at the top, and I'm going to just show you quickly when I turn my computer, there's an article called Five Cover Songs That Stole the Show from the Originals. Oh, I, I saw, I haven't read the article. Okay, I so I read that. it. It's really okay. good. So, five cover songs, five different artists. What was the image that they used to promote this? William Shatner. Of course, it's a picture of Bill. Of course. <laughs> so I went to the article. Is he at least mentioned, unlike uh, that article on leadership? <laughs> I go to the article and they always do count from from five to one, mm -hmm. and number five is Common People. So his song wasn't even the number one song that was a great cover song; it was the the least of them, and yet they still used his image to promote this. Well, yeah, because because Bill is everyone. Bill. So let me read this quickly because okay. it's good. It's very short. Um, so, the original version by British rock band Pulp is catchy, biting, and satirical, but it's also kind of hiply aloof. And it shouldn't be. The soft, airy instrumentals and Cocker's soothing, effete vocals still make the song seem like a condemnation, but sure, it's a half-hearted, almost fond one. That's not in line with the soul of the piece. Common People is about a lower-class rage at the poverty tourism of hip young rich kids, and yet the wry, clever delivery and synth-pop sensibilities make the original come off more like a pretentious hipster, damning the new scenesters who just don't know that Dante, Dante is so over now rather than the jaded diatribe of a working stiff finally sticking it to a rich girl. So the article continues. I know this is going to sound ridiculous, impossible, and insane, but Ben Folds and William Shatner made a fantastic album together called Has Been. It's a bizarre orgy of conflicting priorities, equal parts, beat poetry, punk rock, and midlife crisis, and there is a fucking amazing cover of Common People on there. William Shatner delivers the vocals in every way Cocker didn't. He's artless, forthright, and furious. The cover is all driving guitars and cockney screaming while Shatner whiskey slurs a devastating tirade to an inappropriately young girl whom he wants to bang almost as much as he wants to murder and leave in a river. You play Pulp's version of Common People for that rich girl who keeps coming back to your punk house, and she'll take it as kind of a backhanded compliment. She'll think it's cool that you thought of her at all. Play Shatner's version for her, and she'll kick you in the nuts and run sobbing back to her Jetta. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really good. That is really good. And it's just so funny. 
there's and there's Bill promoting it. I think that's great. And before we do take our break, I just want to bring up a couple things that we put up on the blog recently. Mm -hmm. One is um, Bill's safety public service announcement mm -hmm. on deep frying turkey, <laughs> which is a, a valid safety concern. But of course, with Bill, it becomes very amusing mm -hmm. and entertaining. And he sets himself on fake fire mm -hmm. to uh, demonstrate to you how dangerous this can be. But now I'm wondering, um, you know, they, they threw out the turkey fryer, Liz threw it out. What are they doing for Thanksgiving now? That's a good question. I wonder what they did this and year. And more importantly, what is the fire department doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as we were checking the Twitters this morning, um, Bill had actually tweeted something. So he didn't himself burn his house down, presumably, yeah. or himself. Yes. Or his family, or the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So that's good that they're not on fire, or they weren't on fire. And uh, the other thing is, Bill uh, did a short, again, I guess public service announcement for the Jimmy Kimmel Live show mm -hmm. about if you've been unfriended on Facebook and how to handle that. So another thing to be thankful for, Bill is out there thinking of you and your happiness and your safety. Do you think Bill understands what Facebook is? No. <laughs> Neither do I. No. You know, he has a Google Plus account. We, yes. we talked about that. Yes. I don't think he knows what Google Plus is either. No, and he doesn't know what Twitter is. <laughs> That's so funny, you know, that he's, he participates in social media without understanding at all what it is. I kind of think that's the goal of social media, though. To get people to participate without understanding it? Yeah, well, it's certainly the goal of, of all propaganda, but also that the, the the knowledge of what this is really isn't necessary and that the technology is invisible. And certainly if you have a personal assistant doing it, it's really invisible. This is true. Um, one of the other things I love about Twitter is when it reveals strange personal quirks about people that um, you never would have thought of. And I'll give you a very quick example. Um, there's a writer named Ben Goldacre who's a doctor and he writes a column called Bad Science. Mm -hmm. He's written a book by that name. And he's, he's into, you know, bringing the truth about quacks and, and things like that. He's a very funny guy. Mm -hmm. And he's, he must be in his 30s now. He's a real doctor. Like, he went to school and his practice is in psychiatry. And the other day, he tweeted a question to his Twitter followers saying, is it safe to microwave and eat a shepherd's pie that I've had in the fridge for two days? Okay. And apparently everybody piled on and responded, and then he, he followed up, tweeted, and said something like, okay, apparently this is not a controversial question. <laughs> My life survival skills are, are next to nothing. <laughs> like, really? So, like, you think, you think you have to ask if it's okay to heat up food? <laughs> you know what my philosophy on that is? If you have to ask, don't do it. Well, I mean, like, if somebody takes meat out of the fridge mm -hmm. and hands it to you and says, does this smell okay? <laughs> I'm not eating it. Yeah, that's true. But I think in this case, it was more like um, just lack of knowledge that it's okay to eat stuff that's two days old yeah. that's been in the fridge. Yes. And now he's learned something, so that's yeah, good. okay. Well, that's good. I found that amazing. It takes a village. Yeah. <laughs> Every village needs <laughs> an idiot. <laughs> that's the sequel to It Takes yeah. a Village. Yeah. All right, let's take our little break. Maybe okay. we'll watch a few things and yes. then we'll come back. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, 
to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. We say it all the time, but I'll say it again. We love hearing from you. Blogging at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Comments to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This podcast recorded on a MacBook Pro with GarageBand. So I would say for a third season episode, it was pretty good. Yes, and... um. I think we should share with our listeners what we had to go through to watch it. <laughs> First of all, it would have helped a lot if you and I knew the name of the episodes. <laughs> because we went through the collection and we went, oh yeah, let's watch By Any Other Name. Uh-huh. And then it turned out that wasn't the one we thought it was. No, By Any Other Name is the one with the Kelvins, That's which right. we know we watched. Mm-hmm, we talked about. And talked about. Mm-hmm. And then when we finally figured out... <laughs> What, what it was we wanted. It was a third season, and we don't have the third season on DVD yet, although maybe that will happen this Christmas if there are good sales on DVDs. So then we, we tried to look at it on Hulu, and Hulu didn't really have it. It sent you to StarTrek.com, where you can stream it, but the streaming was terrible. It was bad. It was all choppy. So then we had to go and try to download it, and the version that we finally got um, was okay, but the quality wasn't that great. But it wasn't the remastered edition. It was a DVD rip of the original release of it. So is there, in in truth, no beauty is the one we watched, yes. right? Okay. The one with, with Carlos, the Medusans and yes. all that. and Miranda Jones. Yeah, so I took some notes. Oh, we, we did want to mention that um, part of the problem with these Star Trek episodes is that over three seasons there were way too many episodes that either had the word return tomorrow and yesterday and it's very and today and today and it's really difficult to figure out which one is which so um a member of our studio audience yes came up with the perfect name for the most boring star trek episode <laughs> yes. ever which was you should have been here yesterday because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was when all the cool shit went down yeah <laughs> i really like that yeah. that would be a good name for a story it was it some notes here um let's see so this one do you want to recap the the, sure so um they're on the ship (laughs) and uh the uh plot of the week beams aboard in the form of miranda jones and the alien in a box Mm -hmm. and they have to take her to the alien's planet um and in the meantime um the guy that comes with her named Larry, which <laughs> just cracks me up. It's kind of like, as Sunbeam had pointed out, one of the evil villains in a TNG episode was named Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> just, just this name. I am Kevin, destroyer of worlds. <laughs> so Larry is the name for this guy is also, I think, a bad choice. Well, Larry. You know, and for some reason, maybe it's because we watched an episode of Futurama last night. Uh-huh. Kind of reminds me of Fry. He does. He was like Fry. It's true. <laughs> So he's in love with Miranda, but she doesn't love him back. And at one point, he tries to kill the alien in a box, and it makes him crazy. Because if you look at the alien, it makes you crazy. Because the alien's so, so ugly. ugly. And I want to return to that in a minute after we do the uh, recap. Yeah. So he, try, much like um, 
Kevin O'Reilly, he gets the controls of the ship and pilots them out of the galaxy through that, um, amazingly enough, that same special effect that they used in Where No Man Has Gone Before. Yep. So then they're outside the galaxy, and they don't know how to get back, so the only solution is for Spock to... But, but wait. Yes, yes, yes. They knew how to get back in Where No Man. I know. Okay, I, I don't yeah. know. Just... This, this, this is one of the episodes that is really full of um, plot holes yes. and... Things that tend to be blooperish. They do. There are very, very many plot conveniences. Like, oh, isn't it convenient that this thing happened? So they get the, the alien in a box to meld with Spock so that they can navigate back into the galaxy. And they do in about two minutes. That was very anticlimactic, oh, yeah, that whole yeah. thing. It was like, Whoop, we're in. Okay, great. And then Spock, when he's returning the alien to its box, forgets to put on his 3D glasses and goes crazy for a little bit, and then uh, Miranda Jones' mind melds with him, and then he's fine. The end. Yeah. So here's the thing. This whole concept of ugliness Mm -hmm. is ridiculous in this context. Why they chose that word, I don't really get, aside from just, I mean, they kept harping on the fact that, oh, she's so beautiful, she's so beautiful, and she's going to spend her life looking at ugliness, blah, 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 blah. And from what we see in terms of the special effects, it's not that it's ugliness it's just that it's perception that human senses can't really handle right you know and, and what comes from the box when it is open it, it emits light yeah so couldn't you say the it's such an intense light it, yeah that makes you crazy or or it's just such it, it overloads human senses or they're not yes. able to sort of parse what's going on not ugliness because yeah. that's just and she even says that where you know when when she's mm-hmm. talking to um larry destroyer of worlds and you know she says who are you to say that that colos is too ugly to look at or too beautiful it's like well yeah that's exactly yeah. right yeah. you know it's totally subjective well and i have i'm going to kind of toot my own horn here a little because for some reason this is an episode that always makes me think of a short story i mm-hmm. wrote oh um called dear miss lovelorn mm-hmm. where various characters write, you know, letters, very Star Trek characters mm-hmm. write letters to Miss Lovelorn about their various problems. Mm-hmm. And the one I wrote for this episode came from the Medusa ambassador <laughs> complaining about how everybody thinks he's so <laughs> ugly and, and, you know, basically saying, you know, human beings aren't exactly all prize winners either. So anyway, I just want to bring that up because I always think of it. It's a good that story. That always struck me as yeah. Too ugly, it makes you crazy. That's, it makes no sense at all. Also, as you pointed out, when we get the little exposition at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, and they're talking about the Medusa and the alien in a box, and they say, he's formless yet hideous. Well, yeah. It's like, well, how does that work then? <laughs> Couldn't he, I don't know, if he's formless. I mean, what is formless? Gas is formless. Yeah, but he's still hideous, so it's a hideous gas? <laughs> it's a hideous laser light show? It's like, what? No, it's... So, yeah, lots of problems with that. Okay. Um, but let's talk about um, the reason we wanted to watch the episode mm-hmm. is there's two scenes between Kirk and Miranda. Yes. Actually, three. There's the dinner party. Yes. Where they did not have cool napkins like I did. They, they didn't. And, where uh, all so the, charming. the so charming. men are, like, drooling over mm-hmm. her. And, uh, you know, Kirk's basically telling everybody else to shut up <laughs> and let her talk. You know, and that's kind of fun. But then there's this, the uh, the scene where... Because she's so jealous, mm-hmm. they know she'll interfere when Spock melds with Kalos. Mm-hmm. So um, her mind must be somehow distracted in Kirk's mind. <laughs> <laughs> and so we get this scene of the two of them in 
the rose garden. The flower shop. <laughs> the Enterprise flower shop. Where Kirk has given the florist the day off. To really? I, I love when they walk in that he, go, he goes, I think this is my favorite place on the ship. No, it's not. <laughs> you just made that up. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. And uh, so, you know, he's just walking around the flowers being seductive. Uh-huh. And then um, she, uh, a thorn, a thorn. pricks her finger. Yes. And uh, so he, I thought he, I always think he's going to kiss it and make it better. But he does this wonderful double hand. Yeah, thing. it's so nice. Oh, yeah, it's so nice the way he really does that. Nice. And just as he's moving in for the kiss, she gets the mental red alert that yeah. something's going on with Kalos and runs off. But then after, you know, Spock goes, woo, 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 <laughs> um, And Miranda is the one who has to reach down into his mind mm-hmm. and bring him back. Kirk goes and yells at her and roughs her up. To he make does. Her do it right. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I liked the one um, when he goes in. I mean, even though he's roughing her up, he's sort of very captainly about it. Oh, yeah. And, and she, she says, oh, you know, his life signs are ebbing. And he says to her, what are you doing about it? It's like, yeah, what are you doing about yeah, it anyway? Yeah. This is what you're supposed to be doing right now. I love it when he gets all captainly like mm-hmm. that. It's so good. Um, so just to back up a little bit, um, I wanted to mention, so we, we were talking about the logistics of this whole thing, right? They beam the box on board, and everybody has to wear these stupid visors. Well, okay, Spock has to wear a visor because the visors are only good for him. Why? They're beaming this box up. Why does he have to wear the visor? Is it on the off chance that the box is going to open up, like the latch isn't going to work? That's what I've always wondered. And shouldn't they have put a lock on it? Well, <laughs> a bike it, lock? Yeah. <laughs> Get me a kryptonite lock. Right, I need to lock a, a, little, a little Velcro a little tab. Box clip. Um, Piece of masking tape. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, the fact that it's a visor, mm-hmm. and it's a visor you see through, so it's it's a filtering visor, Reinforces the idea that it's not ugliness; it is the the light, the, the light, intensity, yeah. or the the um, the type of light. Yeah, it is. right. And the fact that she can look at the the alien without having any ill effects, and she's blind, as we find out, seems to imply you could just shut your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> right, or put your hands over your eyes, mm-hmm. or something. You don't need this stupid visor. So, right. anyway, that just but the thing is, weird. if it's light. Mm-hmm. And it makes you crazy. Would it affect a blind person, especially if it's like a, 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 a well, it couldn't be an invisible light. No, maybe there's know. maybe there's just like imagery that comes with the light, like lasers, you know, mm-hmm. where you can sort of see patterns, but it's too intense mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. It's never explained. They no, don't it's, explain it's this. It's really all. a bad, bad MacGuffin. Yeah. So. So there's all that. So then let's see. Um, so one thing we noticed, and we should definitely start noticing this in other episodes, that when Larry goes crazy, he gets crazy sweat. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you know someone is crazy when they start sweating like mad. And you know, in um, uh, the uh, Doomsday Machine, mm-hmm. Decker has crazy sweat. He has crazy sweat. Yeah. yeah. So that's Hollywood shorthand, right? The yeah. crazy sweat. And then Larry dies for no particular reason. Yeah. He just sort of goes, and he kills over, and he <laughs> dies. Yeah. Oh, and we have to name check the fact that McCoy, in this episode, actually says, he's dead, Jim. Yes. It's yes. One, of the, one of the real ones mm-hmm. where it's, no, it's not a, a, a different permutation. He actually just looks at him and goes, mm-hmm. he's dead, Jim. Yeah. So that was good. Um, we will also mention that um, Chekhov... 
He didn't say Captain, did he? No, he didn't say Captain. But he did say... Void. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is not like a Brooklyn accent for word, you know, W-O-I-D. It is Chekhov trying to say void. void. And he says... We have left the void. <laughs> <laughs> the void. How did they not crack up on set when he said void? Well, and I have a friend who lived in Russia, oh and she God. says that accent is so wrong, this so, whole substituting V's and W's. It's so bogus. It's just, uh, it's as broad as you could possibly be. Yes. It's a cartoon accent. It is. Void. Void. Getting back to Miranda Jones, so there's a scene where they are trying to convince her that um, when Kirk's distraction doesn't work. I can't imagine why. It would have worked on me. Um, she goes rushing back, and, and um, they're all giving her all the very logical reasons why she can't do this, because she can't pilot the Enterprise, and Spock can. And mm-hmm. She's protesting, protesting, and finally Kirk says, go talk to Colos, and he'll tell you what's up. And she goes in there, and she has this conversation with him, and she screams quite melodramatically, and then she comes back out as if nothing had happened, and yeah. her face is all composed. Like, what was that supposed to be about? She screams. Why? Because she was pissed I off or jealous? Because thought the episode was too talky. I think you're right. So let's have a scream. That's different than talking. <sighs> it gives the illusion of stuff going on. Okay. Then in the scene where uh, Spock goes woo-woo crazy and she has to... I, I was saying as we were watching this that I really wanted Spock to go crazy in the way that... Um, you know the bottle opener that we have yeah. where Homer goes crazy? Yeah. Homer goes crazy. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> That's what I wanted. That would have been so funny. Yeah. So she's mind-melding but with no, him. No, Spock oh. did not get any crazy sweat. He didn't get crazy sweat. Vulcans don't sweat like that, I guess. She mind melds with him. It's very dramatic. And while she's doing this, they playing fight music. Yeah, I know. It was really fun. <laughs> it was very, very... Again, I think they did that to try to punch it up, right? Because it was really her standing over him with her fingers right. on his temples, and that's it, and that's all that's happening. Well, uh, to back up just a, a little bit before that, when uh, Spock went woo-woo crazy before <laughs> they got him into sickbay and everything, and they had this, this fight scene on the bridge, mm-hmm. which was so much fun... Because it was done through a fish island. That's right. So everything looked really weird and distorted. <laughs> and then finally, you know, there's security guards on the bridge, but Kirk's the one who picks up the phaser and shoots him. Yeah. Like, well, security? You're like, use your phaser on stun. That's yeah. what it's for. That's That happened with Larry, too. Um, okay, and then the best part of the whole episode is... <laughs> They do the mind mill thing. Spock gets better. He comes staggering into McCoy's office. Kirk's there, and they're all, you know, are you okay? And then Kirk goes, Miranda! And he jumps up, and he wants to run out the door. And this is the door to McCoy's office, which we'd just seen open and close a moment earlier, making mm-hmm. the, the traditional noise. But when Kirk goes through the door, it opens, and it goes... <laughs> <laughs> because they forgot to take out the sound of the door opening and closing and dub in the correct sound. Yeah, so it's really just, you know, wood scraping against wood. As the stagehand pulls it open yeah. from the other side. It's so funny. I don't think I'd ever noticed that before, but it's so bad. It, <laughs> and it's so perfectly timed with Miranda. Yeah. You know, with him saying Miranda. Yeah. And, and then it's, just... it's bad. So um, we were watching the original, as we mentioned, and we're very curious to know if in the remastered edition they managed to take care of that sound effect. But that was very funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then finally, the last part of it, um, 
they go to the transporter room and she's leaving and Spock is wearing that fucking idic necklace, which really annoys me. Which I think we've talked about this before yeah. too. The only reason they did that was for merchandising purposes mm-hmm. and it looks very bad on him. Oh, yeah. oh, it's just ugly and stupid and they have a little conversation. And Kirk's there. So Miranda puts on her visor. Don't know why. She doesn't need it. She's yeah. blind and we all know it now. Spock puts on his visor and Kirk just stands there. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that all about? Right. <sighs> so bad. So that was the third season-y part of it was yes. all that stuff, yes. which they just didn't care or didn't have time mm-hmm. to fix. Uh, so, I don't know. It had good things. You know, other third season-y things were, you know, no Kirk light and generally mm-hmm. very uninteresting lighting. Mm-hmm. This one had a lot of weird camera angles, as we yes, were noticing. It really did have weird camera angles. And um, as you pointed out, so much of it took place in hallways. It was very corridor heavy. There was heavy. a lot of padding of people walking down hallways. Mm-hmm. Now, not as much as there is in Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Which is all hallways. Yes, but um, they, they did do some padding. Also, they did a really bad cut in here mm-hmm. because originally... You know, I, I remember this, seeing it before they started cutting it up into ridiculously small bits. Um, when Miranda realized, or when Larry goes to try to kill mm-hmm. Kolos, or Kodos, however you say his name. <laughs> Kodos is from The Simpsons. Okay. Kang right, Kodos, those okay. are the... <laughs> um, I think Miranda gets on the, the speaker phone or whatever it is and says... <laughs> Is someone's trying to kill Carlos, or Larry's gone to kill him, mm-hmm. or something like that, and that, and then we see Kirk and his his posse marching mm-hmm. down the hall to do something about this. But since they cut her making that announcement, yeah. it just looked like well, every night before they go to bed, Kirk marches <laughs> through the hall with his men, what doing a bed check. <laughs> That's what it looked like. That was so funny. Oh man, that was good. Um, so Kirk uh, Shatner looked good. He looked very slim. This very was, slim. I think, episode seven or eight of season three, so it was early on. Very round butt. Mm. Very round butt. His hair was okay. It was still too long because third season yeah. it was too long. But he looked, he looked very tanned. Mm-hmm. He was very did. nice. Yeah, yes. he looked nice. And he didn't get any action in this one. Except for almost kissing her. I, I'm, that's amazing. A beautiful woman comes on the ship and he doesn't get any? I know. It's crazy. I don't know. So there you go. We've watched that one. Now we never have to watch it again. <laughs> it's not one of those ones that's so awful you just can't. No, no. I'm, I'm completely completely joking about that. Um, okay. uh, I, I will say I really like uh, uh, Diana Moldauer. I think yes. she's very good. And I think she did a good job with what they gave her in this particular episode. I think she's very good in both of her TOS episodes, but I really didn't care for her in TNG. I think the role they gave her in TNG was just a bad role. Uh-huh. They, they basically said, well, here's Dr. Crusher. Let's create a female doctor who is exactly opposite her yes. in every single way. Yes. And that was her extent of characterization was mm-hmm. don't be Crusher. And they didn't really give her a lot to work yeah. on. That was annoying. But yeah. And she's so pretty. She has those eyes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about a few more things. Um, we have some other uh, merchandise, speaking of merchandising, to talk about. One of these was at ThinkGeek. You can now buy Star Trek bathrobes. Mm-hmm. Casual wear aboard the USS Enterprise. Yeah. Soft and warm road with embroidered rank and department insignia. Comes in Kirk Command Captain. 
red Scotty Operations Commander, and blue Spock Sciences Commander. They also have the new short red Uhura style for the ladies. Ooh. Yeah. So you could get a little shorty if you wanted to. Um, okay, go ahead. Uh, our next piece of merch. Oh, I was just looking to see if there was something funny. Their descriptions are always very amusing. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> it says, you step up to the food slot, insert your bright red data tape, and watch the Blinken lights for a moment, and out pops a steaming hot cup of Ethiopian Sidamo. Armed with your stimulant, it's back to the sonic showers before you join Alpha Shift on the bridge. Those buttons aren't going to press themselves. <laughs> That's what you do yeah. in your robe. That's awesome. Okay, yes. And then there was another piece of merchandise. That is correct. Let me just find it here. Now, this is different from the other ones. That's what I thought. Yes. Um, so we had talked last year about the Star Trek nutcrackers Mm -hmm. they have different nutcrackers this year i'm pretty sure these are different because these have like arms doing things Mm -hmm. and the heads look different i thought the heads last year were more sort of square looking so this one is uh kirk and spock kirk's holding a communicator and spock's got his hand up doing this so these are wooden nutcrackers with wonderful details they really do crack nuts open they're 30 bucks though yeah that's a lot of money man but just think you could put on your your Star Trek bathrobe. Mm-hmm. Spread out your Star Trek napkin and crack your Star Trek nuts. Yeah, that would be good. That would be a nice evening home. <laughs> With they, a, a glass of uh, whatever that blue shit was. They were, they were drinking. They were drinking some kind of blue stuff. I like the little picture that they put here. I'm going to show it to you. Okay. It's a picture of Spock sitting next to a computer. Um, and I really appreciate <laughs> the fact that it's a Mac. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like he's saying hello to it. It does. So he's there because just in... doing, you know, the Vulcan Yeah, jazz. and you know, if you're there, you're, you're working at your laptop, your, your MacBook Pro, like we're doing right now, and, you know... I <laughs> yeah, need we're a, working real hard. I need a nut. I need a nut real bad. So you put the walnut in there, crack it open. Yep. That'd be very good. Now, another piece of merch, and we're going to be sort of shilling for Bill at this point. This is the um, Bowl Project Auction, and it's, oh, it's yes. through December, so actually people have time to, to mm-hmm. bid on this if they want to. Um, online auction of one-of-a-kind celebrity dog bowls, it says. And this is by Paws, which is an outstanding pet. Uh, Paws LL. Pet yeah. Charity. They're great. When does a basic dog bowl become something more? Answer, when it's a one-of-a-kind piece of pup art. <laughs> <laughs> Created with love by many of today's hottest stars, scheduled to launch on December 5th, Bowl Project 2011 is an online charity auction featuring ceramic dog bowls that are custom painted by such celebrity animal lovers as Paula Abdul, Ellen DeGeneres, Betty White, Jessica Simpson, Jane Lynch, Chelsea Handler, Cindy Crawford, William Shatner, and many others. And they've got pictures of the bowls here. Yes. So I had to look and I found Bill's bowl right away. Yes. Um, and it's beautiful. It's uh, brown on the outside and yellow on the inside. And he's painted little horseshoes all around the yeah, outside. Yeah, and I think Bill's bowl is a little unclear on the concept because it's a dog bowl. <laughs> that has horse motif. That has horse motif on it. but It's cute. I like it. Yes. And, of course, you know, Bill's, Bill's there. He's doing things for charity. Well, and one of the things I noticed on, on uh, the original site I found this on, and I had to click through to get mm-hmm. to the one that had the um, pictures of the bowls. But when it listed each celebrity's name, there was a link. And so I clicked mm-hmm. it, thinking it was going to take me to the bowl. No, it took me to this page where um, each 
celebrity has their own page and it lists what their various charity activities are. Oh, really? Are. Oh, how interesting. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, so it had, you know, be a head with horses. Yeah. And um, the, the one he does in Israel. And yeah, you know, yeah. His, his charitable activities are. So I thought that's, that's good. That's really nice. I just clicked through to the auction site and I wanted to see if they had opening bids for any of these things mm -hmm. listed, but they don't yet. Yeah. It's a little too early. Yeah, too early. I'd be curious to see. That's good. Okay, that's very cool. Um, I can tell you that much as I love my little dog, I'm not bidding on that. <laughs> All right, so now before we wrap up, I have a, a little topic for discussion, and I'll tell you how I, I was inspired by this. Um, okay. So um, I went horseback riding a couple of weeks ago. All right. It was a little treat, and it was so nice. You know, I, I do this maybe once every 10 years or something, and I'm like, going on the horse and it's beautiful out it was a weekend here in the bay area in the fall that was just perfect it was crisp and clear and quiet mm -hmm. you know it's in a park and everything and i'm riding and i was like god i wish i was better at this and then i thought you know if i could pick to have an hour with bill i'd want him to teach me how to ride a horse a private horseback riding lesson with william shatner would be so awesome that would be great I mean, really, I mean, all the things I could do with him in an hour, most of them will never happen, you know. <laughs> but he would do that, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would be for charity. You could bid on that, and he would do it. And he would take you out on a horse for an hour, and he would show you all the tips and tricks, and he'd put his arm around you, and he'd hold your hands while you were holding the reins, and he'd be explaining everything to you in his, his low, calm, instructional voice. Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be so much better than like that brandy and cigars on the Boston Legal System. I don't want that. No, no, no. I want him to teach me something that he knows about. And what does he know better than riding horses? Well, and the, another one of the reasons that's great is if you, let's say, got the brandy and cigars thing, first of all, you have to drink brandy and smoke a cigar. Blech. But um, also, it's this very awkward artificial situation yes. where it might be difficult, if not impossible, to get some real conversation going. Yes. But you're picking a thing where he, he's obviously passionate about it and he has the expertise. And so there's a reason for you to be there other than just to be spending time yeah. with William Shatner. I think that's Wonderful. So that would that's my wish. If uh -huh. I had to wish for an hour with him, that's really what I'd like to do. Yeah. So so then I asked you what you'd like to do if you could have like that hour with him. And I thought your answer was really good. Um I I said and this is probably gonna sound very I don't know, egotistical no, or something, no. but I thought I would like him to interview me. And the reason I thought that was if I interview him, again I'm gonna be the 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 you know, not anything like that, but he is so good at interviewing people and having it become real conversation about real things, you know, mm -hmm. because he's interested in people. And I don't know what I would want him to interview me about, mm -hmm. but I just think that could set off some really interesting conversation. And I think, you know, in our in our heart of hearts, our hope of hopes, all of us who go to like your weekend and things for that. That's what you're really hoping for is a more personal mm -hmm. encounter with Bill where you really sit down one-on-one -on -one and, and, and talk. And, may, and I'm sure there are people who are just really good at, you know, meeting celebrities or idols and, and just talking to them as opposed to interviewing them as a member of the press or being a gawky fangirl. Mm -hmm. But... Um, that's what I think I would want. I would want him to be interested in talking to me. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's great. I, I really like that. And, you know, you're, you're an interesting person. You've led an interesting life. There are so many things that I think he would be interested in asking you about mm-hmm. for you to tell stories of things that you've done, places you've been, and things well, that and you I know. Well, and I wouldn't want to dominate the conversation, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying I would like it if he... If his questions were the yeah. starting point of the conversation rather than mine. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen all of the interviews that he does. You know, he talks almost as much as the people that he's talking to some mm-hmm. of the time. And I, I think, yeah, he, he would be great. It would be a real conversation. So I like your answer a lot. I love your answer. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. I'm surprised they haven't done that yet, you know, if they're good. Because they've auctioned mm-hmm. time with him, like you said, for Boston Legal and for mm-hmm. other things. That would be a fantastic thing, and I think he would love doing that. I, I just and think he'd be one, of the, one of the Shatton weekends at the party, he auctioned a dance with him. Yeah, yeah, but I think he'd really dig that. So, anyway, so I think we'd be very interested to hear from our listeners if anybody has any yeah. other ideas about that uh, interesting and unusual things that you know you might not normally think of doing. But yeah, that'd be I great. Think, yeah, I really love your idea. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. Bill and horses and the outside. It'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> I have a big grin on my face, and so do you. Yeah, thinking about it makes me happy. All right, well, that's our show for this evening, day, time. It's getting dark. Um, so let's wrap it up for now, and then I think we're going to be doing more recording. So I think so because there's other things we want to watch while yeah. we're you know together. And yes. So we'll we'll probably crank out another show. Oh, I think so, definitely. I think so. so listeners, in the meantime, do your homework. Let us know what you'd like to do with Bill for an hour, and we'll be back with another show very very soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.